Alrighty, this uh, morning uh, we're going to go through a really different kind of message. Uh, so, uh, new people, visitors, uh, this is uh, not a typical message. Um, it might be, I, I start to say, it might go a little bit longer than normal, so I just ask for patience and if you get. Um, Nancy, you're tired. There's coffee back there. Feel free to get some more. Uh, let's start out, though, in turning to John chapter 5. <coughs> John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Are you there yet? Yeah. Can you get a witness? Yeah. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Turn with me to another one at Luke 10. And we'll begin with verse 29, I believe. Are you there? But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, You know what? That's not the message I wanted to get. Um, The message I was, uh, the scripture I was wanting to bring out is when Jesus heals two blind men. So he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? These two blind men had come up to Jesus. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, you want to see. We want, we're blind. We want you to make us see. And he did. So the, the point here is, in both of these stories, note that after being healed, they didn't turn away from Jesus or go back to their previous life. Okay, thank you. Rescue me. Let's get that. Matthew 9. I know it's in more than one. Moment. 
Or Matthew 23. There's two instances of two by nine. Okay. Matthew 9. <clears throat> All right, so beginning with verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done you to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. So in both of these cases, the people didn't go back to the place they were when they encountered Jesus. They went on to what he had um, enabled them to do. The, uh, the paralytic didn't go back and hang out at the pool anymore. The next time Jesus sees him, he's in the temple giving him praise. And, and Jesus reminds him, you know, don't sin anymore. Um, the blind men, they did the one that was healed along the roadside, he didn't go back and sit on the roadside. You know, he was healed. <laughs> Things had changed. And um, <coughs> we can imagine how people, when they're at the Sermon on the Mount, or the time where Jesus was preaching for a few days, and people were getting hungry, and, and uh, some little boy brought up some food. People weren't complaining that the sermon was too long and walking out. They were complaining they didn't like the message. Um, you know, they, they stuck there. I want to I hear what he has to say. I want to see what he can do in my life. And, and the point here uh, in, in bringing this message today, the message today is mental illness in the church. Crazy title. But... Over the last three or four years or so, I and we have been, um, oh, I would say, confronted by the Holy Spirit with people um, who are suffering from severe mental illness and spiritual bondage. They come here knowing that they need Jesus and community. And we offer that. Um, everybody here is loving and kind to whoever comes in the door. But speaking from my standpoint, it doesn't seem to always work. In other words, the people aren't necessarily always delivered. Some are, some aren't. And I don't know about you, but I feel it's harder helping people that are struggling with that mental illness and spiritual bondage than people that are homeless, people that are uh, addicts, um, you know, on and on. Those, those things just seem to flow a little bit easier. But people coming in um, with mental illness, now that's been a challenge. And I don't feel like we've had any great successes with it other than uh, leading them to the feet of Jesus, you know, leading them uh, to confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to even get baptized. But it seems like it stops right about there. They, over the years, 
Um, some of the people have come in with the struggling with this, and they just kind of spin out and spin away from the church. Um, it's not like they don't like this church and go to another church. They just, you know, haven't been able to deal with these issues that are overwhelming their life. Um, talking about mental health, um, mental health, and this, you know, mental health and all that with churches and all. Somebody uh, came up with the, the facts that out of all the religions. The Catholics is the least number of people going to see psychiatrists because of mandatory confessions. Mm. That is a good point. Confession is, and forgiveness is a big tool too. Mm -hmm. uh, but <clears throat> getting back to uh, my frustration, I don't know how much of it you share. I, I just To me, it's a sad thing because we know how great life in Jesus is. We know how crummy our life was beforehand. And then when we have Jesus... And things have changed. Um, some of you testified to it already this morning. So Jesus asks a critical question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you even recognize that you are sick? And what do you want me to do for you? Those are the questions that Jesus asks everyone that comes to him with these problems. And Jesus isn't afraid of uh, mental illness, addictions. Um, he wasn't afraid of leprosy or blindness, um, adultery. He says, come to me. And in this, when he invites people to him, when he asks, what do you want me to do for you? He expects them to openly admit what the problem is. What do you want me to do for you? Well, I'm, I'm suffering with anger. I, I want you to get rid of that. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of times that people who are really overcome with uh, bondage to any number of things, what they hear is Jesus is asking them, are you ready to give up your friend? You know, this friend that you've been living with, this anger friend, this adultery friend, uh, this pornography friend, this, whatever it is, are you ready to give it up? And most people, I think, are going to struggle with saying, yeah, because they haven't come to trust God yet enough. And they're so used to living with that friend, even though it's destructive and they know it, they've been used to living with it. But Jesus isn't really asking that in a sense. He's asking, do you want to be healed? And so the person should say, yeah. So there's a disconnect in there somewhere at times. So new Christians with a mental illness or spiritual bondage struggle with the same thoughts and habits they had before they met Jesus, before they surrendered their life. They bring those things in because their minds have been uh, programmed <coughs> to live independent of God. They, they're, they're separate from God. Before you're born again, you're not connected with God. You don't have that spiritual connection or communion. And it's that thinking 
<coughs> that needs to be changed with our new identity. When we're born again, we're a new creation. Our thinking has to change. That's why I asked that trick question in the one another time, because hopefully you've seen over the years, your thinking has changed. How you respond to things has changed. So, question. Is, Ill, is the illness, mental illness, mental disorders, is that a demon? Maybe, maybe not. A demon didn't cause that man's paralysis, nor did one cause those two men's blindness. There, there, unfortunately, in today's world, there are many ministries who think that a demon is behind everything, behind all mental and physical issues, and they may be wrongly performed deliverance on them. Certainly, it could be the product of a demon. I'm not saying it's not, but it could be. And it could also be just demonization. So uh, the Bible teaches us that once we're born again, you can't have a demon possessing you and the Holy Spirit in you at the same time. But that doesn't mean Satan's done with you. <laughs> He's going to constantly, you know, push your buttons and go after you. So that's what we call demonization. So um, it may not be a demon. It just could be spiritual bondage. But you don't get rid of negative thoughts simply by rebuking everyone. You get rid of them by also repenting, renouncing, and choosing the truth. And this appears to be the, the problem with some new Christians. They, they come to the cross with mental health issues. They just want inside the house and... Uh, they don't want to get rid of their mental illness friend. They become used to it. There's an equilibrium. Now, medication can prove <coughs> helpful in pursuing healing. So this message isn't all anti-medication. Um, medication addresses the symptoms, and when we begin, then we can begin sometimes to address the problem. The symptoms are not the problem. They are simply the outward expression of the inward problem. <clears throat> so, what is mental illness? There's seven common types of mental disorders, and I'm sure many of you uh, have heard about these. Maybe some of you experienced them. One is depression. Uh, number two is anxiety disorders, and I've uh, heard that that's the number one um, mental disorder in the country right now is anxiety disorders. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar disorder, post traumatic traumatic. Thank you. PTSD. Let's try that. One. Uh, schizophrenia, and then personality disorders such as borderline personality disorder. Narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder. And as I said earlier, these, these are all symptoms that have presented themselves in <coughs> taking control of an underlying problem. Um, some of you here may struggle with some of these. And, and I hope today you don't feel like, oh, he was picking on me. You know, he heard about this or he heard about 
you know, my medication or whatever. It's, it's, it's not it. We're here to build one another up. And sometimes some of these uncomfortable topics have to get brought out. It's not picking on anybody. We love each other and we want to bring each other to a maturity in Christ. We want to see healing. We just sang a song. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Amen. Do we believe that? Yes. So if this is not a message of judgment or condemnation or shame. There is none of that in Christ. So the question becomes, if you struggle with some of these, if you encounter someone that struggles with these, is are the symptoms and conditions controlling the person's life? Are they taking front stage, center stage, and controlling the person's life? Causes of these disorders up here um, include long-term substance abuse. Um, a lot of times when people have engaged in that, you know, it's messed up their mind, their emotions, their heart. Uh, prenatal damage to the brain, injury to the brain, exposure to toxins, infection, trauma, and sexual abuse. A chemical mind disorder is when you can't shut your mind off over long periods of time. It, it would be said you've lost thought control. You can't control your thoughts. How do you know when you're healed? Your mind clears and you have thought control. Causes of uh, these disorders, these top seven here, could be grouped into four main contributors. <laughs> Uh, biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. It's always a spiritual problem. And why can I say that? It's because God is never not present. Right? He's omnipresent. So there's always a spiritual component in there, in it, whether it's biological, psychological, or social. Let's read Psalm 43. This is a prayer for deliverance. <coughs> Cries out, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? You know, when we're struggling with um, mental illness and spiritual bondage, we think God has abandoned us, and we cry, why, why have you abandoned me? Uh, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him the help of my countenance and my God.
So how do we address these four contributors to a mental disorder? Uh, for the social one, you know, we advise that the person belong to multiple social groups in case one implodes. What do I mean? Um, sometimes, if a person is prone to suffering with one of these mental disorders, the social group they're in, if, if something happens in that, they have a total fracture with the group or somebody in there really hurts them and they, they leave that group, then they no longer have any other group to go to. So if they belong to multiple groups of social settings, like church, should be one of them, um, then they still have other people in their life that they can depend upon and talk to. Um, a pill cannot fix isolation. So the, the fact of the matter is people need church community. Not everybody will agree with that, but it's a fact. God designed it in us. What about psychological? Don't, on the social side, don't you also need to be... Um Discerning in the social setting <laughs> yeah, that, you, goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. that you choose, right? Because I mean, yeah. you can if you if you hit a, a social <laughs> group or circle that feeds into your strongholds or your whatever is causing the issue in the first of the other three, then it's actually going to make things worse and not help things get yeah. better. So I mean, that's for church, but also the outs, the other groups that you. Um, are pointed to or joined need to be constructive social settings and groups versus yeah. destructive. Amen. Yeah. Good point. That Good can be point. hard in today's society. So uh, psychological, we there's no escaping. We have to change how we think. Uh, and, a, and a pill can't really change how we think either. It might. Um, mask over or uh, deal with the symptoms but that's still not a permanent change of how we think and uh, this is where prayer and counseling comes into play and people that really struggle with these mental disorders or um, spiritual bondage if they resist, if they reject prayer and counseling what are they saying? Are they answering, yeah I want to be healed? No, there's, I don't want to be healed you know, they, don't, they may not realize that, but that's the net effect. Uh, biological. Sometimes the problem is biological. And uh, medication can change your chemistry, and that may be what is needed to get started. But hear me here. Your chemistry is not your character. Your chemistry is not your character. Could you repeat that? Your chemistry is not your character. Spiritual. If, if you have um, a spiritual contributor to these mental disorders, you may feel attacked by something you don't understand. You can't identify it. You can't make sense of the resulting confusion that comes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, Amen. but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So, there's ways to address these contributors to the mental disorder. Um, 
The next one is, oh, no, we're already there on that slide. Okay, so we want you to identify and renounce strongholds. Identify and renounce strongholds. So I'm speaking to and about the person that's been born again. And they're being demonized, picked on by demons. And that picking on them is controlling their behavior and their thinking. Even though they're not possessed, they're still being impacted by the demons. And to define what a spiritual stronghold is, it's influence from which demonic spirits agitate, oppress, and afflict the soul. These spirits arouse and incline your mind, your will, and your emotions toward attitude and actions that are contrary to the will of God. So that's the definition of a spiritual stronghold. Notice it is distinct from demon possession. Um, <clears throat> turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10. And we'll begin with verse 3. walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So fortresses, um, lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God, speculations. These are other words for a spiritual stronghold. And this is what can keep us in bondage even though we're Christian. So we need to identify the specific problem so that we can come up with the right solution. Unfortunately, a lot of times if we kind of skip that step, we're trying to solve a problem that isn't really the problem. And we need to speak the specific problem, not the symptoms. So often when we're talking about mental disorders and spiritual bondage, we're talking about the symptoms and not the underlying problem. So. As we are ministering to people that are struggling with these, we need to keep asking the question the three or four times till we get down to hopefully the core problem. So if we ask, what is making you anxious? What is giving you anxiety? And they may give us a general answer, but that's a more of a symptom. It's not really the core problem. And then you got to ask the question again. And eventually the person can identify what their specific problem is. Um, mental health problems can be a spiritual problem, not chemical. And often mental problems don't have one single cause. And that gets confused. There's a lot of causes. Where we fail in ministering is when the individual will not listen 
to us or to Scripture or apply Scripture to the problem. Because that's the only healing that there's going to be. And we can't even have a, if we can't have a conversation with someone that's struggling without their symptoms taking control and controlling the conversation, even shouting us down and preventing us from having a conversation, we're not going to get anywhere. So it's, it's fruitless to continue that conversation. And so then the question becomes, how is the church supposed to deal with those who have mental illness? And <clears throat> I'm going to try to answer that question, but I'm going to give you a disclaimer right up front. I'm no expert on it. I don't feel like I've had any great successes. So what I'm sharing with you is, yeah, I've already failed at this, but let's put our heads together. Let's look into scripture. And over time, maybe we can get more proficient at this. So I'm going to give you five directives on how we can, uh, as a church, deal with mental illness. Might be the next one. The first is conversation. Are you able to have a conversation with them? If you are, then you can apply scripture. You can apply prayer and counseling. But if you can't, if their symptoms are just so um, loud and strong, you can't have a conversation, um, you just have to step out of it and pray. And pray. And over time, with conversation, people will, will be healed. But if, if you can't have that conversation, recognize that God is spirit. So when we pray, he can talk to them in their spirit and maybe bring healing. And while we're dealing with that kind of person, we have to do our best to be kind and gracious to them. Uh, sometimes that can be tough because their symptoms are so loud and abrasive. It's hard to have compassion for them, but we need to. Um, that's something we can do. Um, we need to refrain from arguing about the symptoms with them because it's not a solution. We're not going to rationalize them out of a mental disorder. I've made that mistake. It, it doesn't work, I can tell you. Because our healthy solutions will not be accepted by an unhealthy heart. And that's the fact of the matter. We just have to accept that. The heart has to change first. So second, community. The person may not be able to participate in the community setting of the church service or ministry because of disruptions or inappropriate behavior. And sadly, that the church body is the thing that they need most. Individuals causing division among the body must be dealt with in a biblical manner. Disrupting the preaching of God's healing word is cause for the, keeping them out of the general assembly. Disrupting the service with anger or narcissistic, <clears throat> arrogant behavior is preventing the faithful worship and the teaching of the saints. But you might be tempted to say, well, that doesn't sound very Christian-like. <coughs> um, turn with me to Romans 16, verse 17. Romans 16, verse 17. 
Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching with which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. Um, we don't need to turn here, but Titus 3, 10 speaks along the same way. It says, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted and sins being self-condemned. But hear me, hear me. I am not saying that we kick people out that have mental health issues. It's just at times we have to set up a boundary if they're preventing the preaching and the worship of God. Um, if they're going around causing dissension among the body, we have to apply biblical discipline towards that. Matthew 18. Yeah, exactly. But even when we do that, we don't stop loving them, being kind to them, being compassionate, and praying for them. Okay? We can still help them. So, um, third is intercession. We need to keep them in prayer. Just as we pray for our unsafe friends and family to flat out reject Jesus and won't talk to us, we have to pray for them. We haven't been um, granted a platform to help people at times. You know, they come in and they're closed off and they don't want to be helped and they're not open to application of scripture. So during that time, until they open up, we have to love, be kind, be gracious, compassionate. Uh, fourth, spiritual. We have to recognize that mental disorders is a heart issue and a spiritual war. And it may be a biological problem. It could be best treated by medication, but it's a spiritual battle to get them to agree there's a problem and the willingness to treat it. And it may be the result of an injury, which there is no recovery. You know, if you have a brain injury from an accident, you know, they sometimes can't be healed. But the heart and what it believes has to change. The heart and what it believes has to change. What do these people that struggle with these disorders, what do they believe about themselves? And we need to communicate to them what God thinks about them. Um, what do they believe about God and his involvement in their life? That has to change. So this is where we take every thought captive and we carry it over to Christ. Okay, fifth. I call this one, cut the hand off. Treatment often requires the person to give up their sin and repent. They need to give up the substance that is causing the illness, such as alcohol, marijuana, meth, porn, TikTok, painkillers, and other medications whose side effects are causing additional problems. And they need to examine what other spirits are causing uh, the psychiatric or social or spiritual problems. 
And those are often obstacles that will prevent healing. So again, Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? <clears throat> so I've brought the problem. I've expressed <coughs> our frustration with seeming lack of success in this. I've communicated that we all want to work together to do better. And we probably need some starting points. Hopefully this message today <coughs> exposed an issue that maybe you hadn't thought about. Um, maybe you're motivated and you want to help people that are dealing with mental disorders. Maybe you have a mental disorder you want to deal with. Where do we start? Obviously we start with Jesus, but there's uh, some books that are written by Neil Anderson. I have them up here on the screen. Bondage Breaker, 10 Steps to Freedom in Christ and Victory Over Darkness. Um, these are very theologically sound, easy to understand um, books in getting free from bondage. So I'm going to encourage you to um, get those books. They're on Kindle or you can get paperback. And uh, I'm hesitant, um, just as a general rule, to recommend books because there's a lot of books out there by false teachers. And that might make things worse. So um, this this guy um, is a pastor that's been around for quite a while and seen a lot of fruit from his ministry. And we could even, as a church, if we decide to have some studies, they have workbooks and stuff, so we could go through it. So if you think this might be helpful to you in your personal ministry, might be helpful to you personally, um, you know, talk it up, and maybe over time we can... Do a study on it. Alrighty. Well, praise God. How long did that take? <laughs> Same time. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, nobody fell out of the chair. No. So it must have been okay. Not till six. Go ahead. All right. Well, let's uh, gather around and pray for one another.